realize how good God has been to you, you can't keep it to yourself. You got to tell somebody that God has certainly uh, been good to you. I want to um, express my appreciation personally uh, to all of those who had any hand in celebrating our seniors on last night. Um, and I must say, I apologize. I apologize, church, but this is the first time that I've been sick since I have been in the DFW area. My allergies won't quit. And so I had to take some medicine. I overslept, and I apologize from the bottom of my heart. But I came up on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I saw the beautiful decorations that were sent. And I just know y'all had a wonderful time. Amen. Uh, uh, and, and it's just so good when you invest in people that have served the Lord and have been faithful to God. And so for that, from your preacher, I say thank you, all of our seniors, for continuously uh, serving uh, the Lord. We want to thank our visitors, of whom I know personally, from the Garden Oaks Church of Christ. Uh, we are so happy to have the Cormiers here. Uh, they have been such a blessing to my ministry and because we are not at Garden Oaks, I can tell y'all what they do for me, but there are not many Sundays where uh, her and her mother would not just come slide something in my hand and say, Brother Ross, you just go get your family something to eat. You just take care of yourself. And I appreciate that. I appreciate all, all that you guys uh, have done for me in, uh, in my ministry. So thank you so much. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 1. We know what today is. If you were here last week, you know what today is. Today is sowing day, amen? So 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we shall gather our attention in the end. Um, I want to read from chapter 8, 15 verses, and then I want to drop down and read five more. So I want for you to bear with me, but that's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse number 1, ending at verse number 15. And then, church, we'll turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 10. So I'm going to bridge, if you will, two texts together this morning. So that's 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 1 through verse number 15. Then we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. Um, and and this, these are familiar passages that we have read before, but I want to just add some context to them this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1 through verse number 15. Are you there, family? All right, the Bible says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God gave the churches in Macedonia. They have been tested by great troubles, and they are very poor. But they gave much because of their great joy. I can tell you that they gave as much as they were able and even more than they could afford. No one told them to do it. But they begged and pleaded with us to let them share in the service for God's people. And they gave in a way that we did not expect. They first gave themselves to the Lord and to us. This is what God wants. So we ask Titus to help you finish this special work of grace since he is the one who started it. You are rich in everything, in faith, in speaking, in knowledge, in truly wanting to help, and in the love you learn from us. 
In the same way, be strong also in the grace of giving. I am not commanding you to give, but I want to see if your love is true by comparing you with others that really want to help. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that Christ was rich, but for you he became poor, so that by his becoming poor, you might become rich. This is what I think you should do. Last year, you were the first to give, and you were the first who gave. So now, finish the work you started. Then your doing will be equal to your wanting to do. Give from what you have. If you give, your gift will be accepted. It will be judged by what you have, not by what you don't have. We do not want you to have troubles while others are at ease, but we do want for there to be an equality. At this time, you have plenty. What you have can help others who are in need. Then later, when they have plenty, they can help you when you are in need, and all will be equal. As it is written, the person who gathered more did not have too much, nor did the person who gathered less have too little. Now go to 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse number 6 through verse number 10, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6 through verse number 10. All right, are we there? All right. It says, remember this. Y'all know this one, right? If you've been in church your life, yeah, man, you can quote this one, right? Remember this. The person who plants a little will have a small harvest, but the person who plants a lot will have a big harvest. Each one should give as you have decided in your heart to give. You should not be sad when you give, and you should not give because you feel forced to give. God loves the person who gives happily, and God can give you more blessings than you need. Then you will always have plenty of everything, enough to give every good work. It is written, he gives freely to the poor the things he does are right and will continue forever. God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and bread for food. He will give you all the seed you need and make it grow so that there will be a great harvest from your goodness. I want to talk to us this morning from the subject matter, stop holding on to your seed. Stop holding on to your seed. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this preaching moment. Thank you so much that you have given us an opportunity to come and to praise your name. Father God, it is our prayer this morning, Lord, that you might work with us through this text, that we might not only be informed but transformed by renewing our minds, thinking different in our hearts. And Father God, it is our prayer that when we are asked to be generous, that we might be generous because you have commanded us to be generous. Lord, we thank you and we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah, stop holding on to your seed. You know, family, they say that the strongest, most sensitive nerve in the human body is the nerve that runs from the hand to the checkbook. the hand to the checkbook. Years ago, I remember that uh, I was, uh, I, 
on my truck. Um, I was driving down the street, and if you will, the check engine light came on. And I remember driving up to the auto mechanic, and um, I pulled up, and uh, he said, what seems to be the problem? And I said, sir, my, uh, my check engine light came on, and uh, I need for you to turn it off. And he says, let me make sure I understand what you're requesting. He says, you are asking me to turn off your check engine light. And I said, yeah, I need you to, it came on, so I need you to turn it off. And he says, um, do you know how this works? And I said, well, you're the mechanic. Amen, somebody. I'm not the mechanic. And he says, sir, I cannot turn off the check engine light. He says the check engine light comes on because there's something wrong with the engine. And he went on to explain if there was nothing wrong with the engine, then the light would not come on. And he says, sir, if you want for the light to go off, then I need to diagnose and fix what's wrong under the hood. What he was saying to me, F, was that the check engine light is just an indicator that there is a greater problem going on behind the scenes. That is, the light only tells you that there is a problem going on somewhere else in your system. Amen, somebody. That is, that is the light itself is not the problem. But the light is only an indicator that there is a problem. And let me say it this way. When we fail to be generous towards people, that within ourselves is an indicator that something has gone wrong in the mind of the believer. Why? Because... It should not be said among Christians that there is another Christian that is hurting and you know about their hurt and you choose to do nothing about what you have heard. As a Christian, when you see your brothers and sisters hurting, it should move you to do something about it. And let me say it this way. Please do not think that it is acceptable before God to see your brother and sister hurting and you have the ability, but you choose to do nothing about their hurt. I hear your family. I hear, I hear some, some doubters already. I hear. And that's okay because I have backup. James says it this way. In James 2 verse number 15, a brother or sister in Christ might need clothes or food. And if you say to that person, God be with you, I hope that you stay warm and get plenty to eat but you do not give what that person needs. Your words are worth nothing. In the same way, faith that is alone 
that does nothing is dead. Therefore, this text sets the mark for us this morning. If there is a brother or sister that has a need, and we say that we have faith that God is able to bring peace to their situation, and we are in a position to be a blessing to them, and choose not to do anything about it, then James says that type of faith is a dead faith. That is a faith based upon what you say and has no action to accompany it. God is not pleased with people who talk a big game, but do nothing after they finish speaking. In this text this morning, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. And Paul is addressing the church at Corinth because the church at Jerusalem is having some serious issues. If you remember, the church at Jerusalem is the mother church. Now, y'all remember this, right? Remember Acts chapter number 2? And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one accord, in one mind, in one place. That is, all the Jews were gathered there in Jerusalem. Peter preaches the first gospel sermon there on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says about 3,000 souls were added to the church at Jerusalem. And what happens is many of those Jews did not go back home. They stayed there in Jerusalem, and the church was flourishing. The church continued to grow until a man by the name of Paul came along. Y'all remember that? The Bible says that Paul, remember, he went requesting letters to go and to ravage the church at Jerusalem. And the Bible says as a result of Paul doing this, the church at Jerusalem now, it was scattered. That is, the church began to spread throughout the land far and wide. But there was a remnant that stayed at the church in Jerusalem. And these people that chose to stay in Jerusalem, they suffered intense persecution. They were fired from their jobs. They were not allowed to stand in the lines to get food. Because of their commitment to the work of Jesus Christ, they were mistreated, they were belittled, they were considered second-class citizens in Jerusalem, and it is because of this occasion that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth to remind them that a year ago, when you heard about the Corinthian church, you pledged that you would give to their cause. He says, but up until now, though your mouth has done a whole lot of talking about what you're going to do, it has not been accompanied by any action. And I'm writing to encourage you that you need to finish the work that you said that you would finish. And to encourage them, Paul uses three pointed ideas to help them to be excited about giving towards the church at Jerusalem. Number one, Paul says, if you want to be excited about giving, three people you need to look at. Number one, look at the Macedonians. Number two, look at Jesus. And number three, look at the farmer. Did y'all get that? Number one, look at the Macedonians. Number two, look at Jesus. And number three, look at the farmer. All right, y'all got that? 
All right, number one, look at the Macedonians. When speaking about the Macedonians, Paul is referring to the churches of Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi. Now here's what's interesting. Go back in your text, and if you start at verse number one, it becomes amazing about this church at Macedonia. He says, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Now watch them. Y'all got that? At Macedonia, that is the churches of Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi. He says, now listen to how they gave. In a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflow in wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in support for the church at Jerusalem. And this is not what we expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Family, did y'all hear that? Number one, he says, you need to look at the church of Macedonia because they gave in their affliction. Number two, he says, they gave according to their ability and beyond their ability. Number three, they begged to give. And number four, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. Did y'all get that? Let me deal with the first one first. He says they gave in their affliction. Did you get that? They are afflicted. They didn't wait to get out of their affliction. They gave while they were in the midst of their, of, did y'all get that, their affliction. Now let me just say it this way, family, you ready? Your checkbook tells the story about what you're interested in. Amen, somebody. Uh, your bank account tells the story about what you're interested in. If we need to know what you're interested in, all we need to do and you need to do is look at your bank account and it will tell, amen, somebody, what you and I are interested in. Let me just say it this way. Um, there was a husband and a wife that after 25 years of marriage, they decided to call it quits. And they had gone to the divorce attorneys and they, you know, and he told his wife, I want the divorce, and she didn't fight. She said, yeah, it's been ended for a long time. And so they, um, they decided to call it quits. And they decided that they would just split the money up 50-50. You go your way, I go my way. And so the husband says, well, let me go back and look at our financial records um, before we decide, you know, this 50-50 split. And so he goes into their closet and he finds the shoebox that they keep all of their checks in. And as he's going through this shoebox, he pulls out a check. And as he looks at it, he remembers that this is the check that we wrote when we were purchasing the cake for our wedding. And he put that check to the side and he pulled out another check and he says, this is the check that we wrote um, when we were putting the first down payment on our first home. And he put that check to the side and, and he pulled out another check and he says, this is the check we wrote as a deposit to the hospital 
um, when we had our first child and he put that check to the side. After that check, then he pulls out the, another check and it's the check that they had written to go on their 10-year wedding anniversary trip out of the country. And, and as he looked at that last check, tears start rolling down his eyes. And he quickly picks up the phone and he calls his wife and he says, baby, you and I have invested too much in this marriage for this marriage to end now. Amen, somebody. Let me ask you this question now. What does your checkbook say about you? What does your bank account, if you look at it, what does it show that you are invested in? Because you do know that it tells the full story, don't you? That if you want to know what you're interested in, all you have to look at is what you give to. Amen, somebody. What you spend your money on. Because you're not going to spend your money on something that you're not interested in. Whatever you're interested in, that's where your money is going to go. And can I tell you something, F, about these Macedonians? Look at the language that Paul uses about these three churches. He says, you need to look at these churches because these churches are not affluent churches. Amen, somebody. These churches are not churches that are going to have great edifices and members that have great homes and when they invite you over you're going to be amazed by the places in which they live and the cars in which they drive he says those aren't the churches at macedonia he says the churches at macedonia these are christians that they live in their life day by day that every single day they wake up and they literally have to mean the lord's prayer that is lord give me today my daily bread. Amen, somebody. I know, I know some folk don't know what that means, but there are some folk in here that can testify that you have had to live on the Lord's prayer, that, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow, but, Lord, can you just take care of me? Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. Today. He says that's the kind of church this was. It was a church that they did not know where their next meal was coming from. It was a church that they did not know when the Roman Praetorian Guard was going to come and knock their walls down and come and either take their children and sell them into slavery or take us and move. He said it was a church that they did, they, all they lived on was the faith of God. He says, but look at their church. That is a church that even though they do not have a lot, they are not waiting for God to give them their next season. They are not waiting for God to move them out of their poverty. He says, this is the kind of people that even though they are struggling, they are not going to stand by and watch other Christians hurting and they not do anything about it. Fam, are y'all getting what I'm saying to you? That is, this is the kind of church that they didn't have a lot. But even though they did not have a lot, they took the little that they had and they sent it to the Jerusalem church. He says, your checkbook tells a lot about you. 
what you give towards tells a lot about your faith in God. That if you look at this church as an example, they are the perfect example of people that are not going to stand by when other people are hurting and they have a little and they give. And he says, now Corinthians, look at y'all. Amen, somebody. He says, y'all not in poverty. He says, y'all are rich. Amen, somebody. You are rich. You live in Corinth. Now, if a church that has a little, that has nothing, can give toward the cause, what's your excuse? Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen, somebody. He says they gave according to their ability and beyond their ability. You ready? They begged to give. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Some Lord, Lord, oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy. You ready for that? Y'all know what that means. You know what that means. Now, we know that when Paul gives the command to give in chapter 9, Paul says, upon the first day of every week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has promised. Y'all know that, right? That means that this church met the first day of every week. Y'all get that? But you're ready for what they did the first day of every week. When them folk came in church on the first day of the week, they say, listen, man, we know the preacher going to preach. Can he please hurry up? Amen, somebody. We know that they going to sing. Can the worship leader please hurry up? We know they going to pray. Can you please get through the prayers? We know. We know we're going to do communion, but can you hurry up and get through the communion? Because we got some, amen, somebody, because we have something that we are ready to give to the church at Jerusalem. We don't want to wait to give it. Matter of fact, we can't wait to get to church. All right. All right. Can I ask you a question, family? Now, this is your own personal life. Can I ask you a question? When is the last time you've been excited to give? When is the last time you couldn't wait for service to go through so that you had the opportunity to be gracious towards God and to be gracious towards your fellow man? When is the last time you have been excited about serving somebody? If we look in your checkbook right now, is your, would your checkbook show that you are interested in the needs of other people or is all of your money going towards you. I told you, your checkbook will tell on you. And he says, you want to know the greatest? Just look at the Macedonians. These folk are struggling. Every day of their life, they're struggling. But they give. Because ain't, there's no way in the world they're going to see people hurting and they not give. I get it, F. I get it. I get it. Ross, I want to get there, but I'm not there. Ross, how do I change my attitude? I want to be that kind of person. So can you help me understand how to change my attitude? Yeah. You know what he says they did first? Let me show you the Bible. Look in your Bible. Look back at chapter 8. And I want for you to highlight this in your own scriptures. Amen. Let's look at chapter number eight. All right? All right, now, now, now. I want, I want for you to look at uh, verse, number, uh, verse number four. 2 Corinthians 8, 4. Y'all there? 
he says, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Y'all got that? He says, and this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. You ready for the next one? And then to us by the will of God. Family, if you want to be the kind of person, Christian, that you're concerned about the needs of other people, the first step to do such is you need to give yourself to the Lord. Amen, somebody. You dedicate yourself. That is a spirit that says, Lord, I am giving myself to you. Lord, I belong to you. Lord, and you know what it does? Lord, you know what that means? That means everything that comes into my possession doesn't belong to me. Lord, everything that comes into my possession, Lord, it belongs to you. Because when I gave myself to you, that means everything I have, it's no longer mine, Lord. Now it's yours. And so that's why when Paul comes around and says, y'all, the Corinthian church, they're hurting. The Corinthian church, they're hurting. They say, where's the offering tray and what can I do to support the Corinthian church? Why are they able to do it? Because I already gave myself to God. And so now that I've given myself to God, anybody around me that is in need, my car don't belong to me. Amen, somebody. Amen. My money don't belong to me. My house does not belong to me. That is God's house. It's God's car. It's God's bank account. And whatever God needs, God can have. Amen, somebody. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Amen. So number one, he says, they were able to do this because they first gave themselves to God and as a result of giving themselves to God first, secondarily, they no longer looked at what they had as being their property. They looked at what they had as being God's property and they were willing to give as God wanted them to give. Did y'all get that? So that's number one. Number two, he says, now you look at the Macedonians. He says, now nah, look at Jesus. Amen, somebody. Look at Jesus. And he uses a very interesting illustration to, uh, to identify Jesus. He says, when you look at Jesus, he's the perfect example of what it means to give yourself to God. He says, though he was rich. Did y'all catch that? Though he was rich, you ready? He became poor. That is not passive as in somebody did it to him. That is active as in he did it himself. Jesus became poor, gave up his riches. You ready? He was rich, but he became poor for you so that you might not any longer be poor, but that you might become rich. Did y'all see that transition? He was rich and became poor because he knew that you were poor and he wanted for you to be rich. That is, that Jesus was willing to humble himself so that the people around him 
might be lifted up by what he was able to give to them. Lord, have mercy. That is, you ready? That's Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, you ready? But made himself of no reputation. Did y'all get that? That is, he, he ridded himself of his reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the image of man. Are y'all getting this? That is, he is in heaven, lowers himself down to taking off his divinity, to coming down and being made in the fashion in human flesh, why does Jesus do it? Jesus comes down and becomes human flesh so that he could identify with us in our human flesh, but that one day we might eternally be with God. That is, Jesus says, I'm willing to get on your level. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. I'm willing to get on your level so that I can take you from where you are to where God wants for you to be. Family, are you willing to get on people's level? Amen, somebody. Are you willing to get on people's level? You ready? Not for your benefit, but for their benefit. Are you willing to get down and dirty in the lives of people so that you might be a source of encouragement to lift them up? I know you got that Mercedes S550. Amen, somebody. But can the only people ride in your Mercedes, the only folk that look like you, work where you work, live in the neighborhood you live in, or can some folk that don't smell good? Amen, somebody. Some folk that are in poverty. Some people that are hurting. Some people that don't have the education that you have. Are you willing to lower yourself so that others might be lifted? Amen, somebody. Lift it up. He says, so you looked at the Macedonians. You looked at Jesus. He says, let me give you one more practical example of who you need to look at. Look at the farmer. Lord, have mercy. Look at, look at the farmer. Amen. Amen. I must not have too many country folk up in here. Amen. Somebody, some country folk know what I'm talking about right there. Amen. He says, if you want to know about being generous, all you have to do is look at the farmer. Amen, amen, amen. He says, he which sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. But he which sows generously will also reap generously. Let every man give what he has decided in his heart. Amen. You saw he set that thing up? Before you give, let me give you some principles. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. <laughs> that is, if you sow a little, don't expect a big harvest. Amen, somebody. But if you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot. Now make up in your mind what you gonna give. Now, don't trip. If you give it because you mad, leave it in your, amen, somebody. It ain't worth nothing to God. But God wants the kind of person that's happy to give. Now, can I explain some stuff about the farmer, though, that y'all, we need to understand and get a concept of this thing. You read about the farmer? The seed does no good while it's still in the farmer's hands. 
Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. It doesn't make sense for a farmer to walk around with a pocket full of seed. Boy, look at all the, amen, somebody. Boy, look at all the, look at all the seed I got. Amen, somebody. Amen, amen. Well, look, amen, amen. You got that big old field out there, but it's still right here in your pocket. Amen, somebody. It doesn't do any good to have a pocket full of seed and do nothing with what you have. He says the farmer knows this. He says, so no farmer in their right mind is going to have a lot of seed and leave it in their hand or their pocket. He says the farmer knows that in order for there to be a harvest, I have to take the seed out of my hand. He says, and I have to plant the seed. He said, but there's another concept. No farmer in their right mind expects a big harvest and only planted a little seed. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. That is, I got a pocket full of seed. But it's like, nah, look here, partner. Look, man, look, look. Look, man. I don't know. All right, look, look. All right, all right. now all right all right he says no because the farmer knows that if I only plant a little the only thing that I can expect is what I planted amen somebody he says the farmer knows that in order for there to be a big harvest I cannot be skimpy with what I'm willing to give he says the farmer got to go in his pocket you ready and start just amen somebody just hey amen Hey, hey, anywhere it's land, it's like, hey, plant over there, hey, plant over there, hey, plant over there, hey, plant over there. You ready? And then he says, but wait a minute. I planted all my seed. Now I got to wait. There you go. Lord, have mercy. You ready? I planted all of it. But now I have to wait. Teach, brother. Teach, brother. See, farmers understand what it means to live by faith. I can plant the seed, but if God don't let no water rain on it, I can plant the seed, but if it does not get adequate sunlight, amen, somebody. So when I plant the seed, it got to get out of my hands to even have a chance. But once it gets out of my hands, now I got to pray to God that God might allow water to get on this seed and allow the proper sunshine to get on this. So I have to put my faith in God that God will allow the seed to grow. And you ready? I have nothing to do with it. That's right. That's right. Good teaching, brother. But there's something y'all got to see. So wait a minute. I've planted all my seeds, right? And God. Let me just stop. Can I just stop right there? It's more than just, and y'all know where I'm going today. We're going to take up offer for Brother Ramon Hodges today. But more than that, it's somewhere else I need to go to. You even need to make sure you're planting the proper seeds in your relationships. Okay. My child is going to be successful. I know it. That our child's going to grow up. She's going to do well in school. She's going to be very athletic. She's going to do everything and what she needs to do. That's very interesting. You're saying that your child is going to be successful at academics, but every time they come home, you make them do no homework. 
Oh, no, 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 no. When she, hey, when she's a senior in college, I mean, a senior in high school, we're going to apply for these. Uh, we're going to apply for uh, a scholarships to Harvard, to Princeton, to Howard University. We're going to apply to Duke University, and she's going to get scholarships. But you don't give her the tutoring she needs. Talk so. You're expecting a great harvest, but you are sowing no seed. Okay, man, somebody. Hey, hey I, my, my marriage is out of control, but you know what? It's going to get better. My marriage is going to get better. It's going to get better. But when the thought of marriage counseling seeds comes up, nobody wants to do that. Amen, somebody. Oh, no, I need to start saving my money. I'm going to do my money, and I'm going to save money. I'm going to save it. I'm going to do well with my money. Uh, I know the Lord wants me to do better, and I'm going to start sowing the seed that God wants for me to sow. But you're not willing to sow a seed of sitting with a financial planner. Amen, somebody. You're not willing to sow a seed of being more generous towards giving toward others. That is, in every area of your life, if you want a harvest to grow, you need to start sowing the seed. And you ready? Something about seed? Seed can only produce what it's designed to produce. You cannot plant a cantaloupe seed and expect a watermelon to grow. You got to sow the seed that you want to grow. If you want more love in your marriage, then you need to start sowing love seed. Amen, somebody. If you want more knowledge in your kid's head, you need to start sowing more knowledge. Amen. I know he wants the Xbox, but he might not need the Xbox right now. Take his behind to the library and get him some books. You got to sow the seed. That you won't. Amen, somebody. But listen to what he says. Now watch God. Let me show you how good God is. But Ross, wait a minute. I got you. Paul, I got you. If I take all my seed and I just scatter my seed and the Lord allows it to grow, what am I going to do next season? I ain't got no more seed. Amen, somebody. I don't have any more seed. We planted the corn. We ate up all the corn. Now we have no more seed. Lord, I'm, amen, somebody. Can I tell you that God will give you what you need before you know you need it? Amen. You ready? Go to Genesis. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. Go to Genesis. All right. Go to Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 9. Genesis 1, 9. Let me show you something about that seed. Y'all ready? It's right there. Genesis 1-9, and I'm almost, I'm almost done. Amen. Y'all ready? Then God said, let the waters below and the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. You ready? Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, Plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed. Seed in them. What did God put in the DNA of plants in the beginning? That a plant would not be able to grow and not have a seed inside, inside of it. That is, that even though that plant might be consumed, it has already given out 
Amen, somebody. You ready? So that's what happens when you plant seed. As you plant seed, your harvest will grow, but in that harvest, God will give you some more seed. Lord have, Lord have mercy. Ross, we getting ready to get a brother Ramon, but what am I going to do? Ross, we getting ready to get a brother Ramon, but how can I trust God? You need to trust God that when you give to other Christians that are hurting, that are down, that have issues in their life, the seed that you give, God will give you back some more seed that you might be able to replenish your harvest. Amen, somebody. You ready? You ready? So you ready for this morning? And we get ready to give, and I'm sure enough excited about it. You ready for this morning? Here it is. If you don't give your seed, you ain't hurting nobody. If you don't give your seed, and you're able to give, you ain't hurting nobody but your own harvest. That is, when you get in your next season, and you look around, and you say, boy, look here, boy, look, boy. Boy, money shows short, Doc. I don't know. God is saying you don't have it in this season because you didn't plant the seeds in your last season. And because you didn't plant in your last season, now that you're in your new season, you don't have what you need to make it through this season because you failed to plant. God says when you give in your nowness, I will take care of you in your future needs. Amen, somebody. I'm going to tell you right now, there have been times well, I have wondered where my next, matter of fact, I'll give you a whole story. Amen, somebody. Listen, I remember one of my friends, you might, you might know him. His name is uh, uh, Jeremy Flowers, preaches up in Ohio. Uh, yeah, he, was, uh, he and his wife, Tamika, they were getting married over at the Greenville Avenue Church of Christ. And uh, family, he called me. I had just graduated college, didn't have a job yet. He called me and said, Ross, I want you to, well, he already told us we wanted, to be in our, we want, he wanted for us to be in his wedding. So I began to plan my trip. Y'all, I looked at my account. You ready? All I had was enough gas money to get me to Dallas and to get me back home. That's all I had. Amen. Amen. Now, you know what that means? That means I can't eat nowhere? Come on, somebody help me out now. I can't eat nowhere. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I had to call some of my friends at Southwestern, Jimmy Stokes and them. I had to call them and I had to say, listen, I can't afford no hotel room. Somebody help me right here. So can I stay in one of y'all? Amen, somebody. Can I stay? in one of y'all's rooms until the, so amen. So I remember eating at the dining hall at Southwestern. Y'all gotta help me now, cause I ain't have any money. But I knew I had a friend up here in Dallas that needed for us to be here to help him in his wedding. So, so listen, so listen, uh, so the first night I stayed at, um, at Southwestern. And then when I stayed at Southwestern, I woke up the next morning and I said, look, this ain't gonna work, man. Lord have mercy, this bed is hard and my back is hurting. This, this ain't gonna work. I said, let me look at my account again. Amen, somebody. And I, I went in my phone, y'all looked at my bank account and it was a surplus of $260. I said, Lord have mercy, amen, somebody. Amen, I said, I need to go to the bank and withdraw all this for amen, somebody, for they, for amen, amen. So I looked at it, y'all, it was $260. I said, where in the world did this $260 come from? How in the world did this happen? And then I looked at it, and it says that this is an advance from your savings account. I said, what savings account? When I signed up for my account, they enrolled me in a program. And the program was that for every, when you spend, let's say, $1.46,
It rounded that 46 up to the next dollar and transferred that into a savings account. So that means I spent 146, which means 54 was deposited into a savings account. And that was going on for two years, and I did not even know it. But isn't it strange that just in the nick of time, hey, somebody ought to help me stop right there, just in the nick of time, when I needed it the most, it showed up, and I didn't even know where it came from. And I just had to sit back and say, Lord, that is because I sowed in this season. Now I can reap in my next season. And family, if you want for your life to be blessed, you can't hold your seed. You can't eat your seed. You have to give your seed. And God will make that in which you give grow and produce seed. You ready? I ain't preaching no prosperity gospel either. Amen, somebody. Because see, somebody right now get mixed up and say, Ross, that means if I give, God will give me some more money. No, God might not give you no more money, but you know what? When you're going through hell and high water, it'll be another Christian that's on the other side of the church praying for you. Amen, somebody. So it doesn't always come in the form of money, but it'll be somebody when you in your time of need. Have you ever been going through it and the right person called at the right time and had the right word to say to you to get you out of your season that you were in? Sometimes it does not come in the form of money. Sometimes it does not come in the form of prayer, but sometimes people just come to you and just show love and graciousness to you. It doesn't always come in the form of money, but God says when you give grace, you will receive grace. Amen, somebody. Family, sow your seed this morning. At this very moment, I want for you, we're going to do things a little different, F, and I, I pray to God that your spirit will, will, will not hold us hostage for this. Would you please begin now, while the spirit is working, to prepare your seed to give to Brother Ramon Hodridge right now in this moment. In this moment, take out your checkbook. In this moment, take out your cash. Whatever you are able, we are about to plant seeds that the Lord might use. Whatever it is, whatever your seed is, the Bible says they gave according to their own ability. That means what they were able to do. He says, I'm not talking about you give that you might be in poverty. He says, but I want for you to give according to what you're able to give. Now, don't do it if you're mad about doing it, if you're angry to do it. He says, but if you're willing and gracious enough to give your seed, look on the backside at what God is going to do for you. Amen, somebody. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm your minister, and I have to be the example for this church. From Ashley Ross and Clarence Ross, here's our seed. Amen, somebody. This is our seed. And we're giving it. We ain't worried about nothing else. We just know that God is able to do what God said that he was going to do. So from the Ross family as your minister, as your example, here is the seed that we're giving so that God, Ramon, might get the service, the help that he needs. And we're going to give it, and we're going to let God deal with it. Amen, somebody. Right now, we're going to sing and we're going to give. And we're so thankful to God that we're in positions to be able to give. Let's go ahead, my brethren. Let's go ahead. Brother Mario, thank you.